I think I've ever seen you in my entire life. I, yeah, I'm not wearing pants. Don't fucking kid yourself. <laughs> so, what you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta sweet talk me a little bit, all right? I gotta take dinner. <laughs> What's going on, boys? How are you? Very good. Right. How's the weather over there? Do you guys get power or do you guys go out or? Uh, yeah, it was flickering for a couple hours today. It was fucking weird as shit for a bit, but we're all good now. You can't kill Oshawa, man. We're all, we'll never die. So. <laughs> it's, I think if an atomic bomb drops, the only thing left will be cockroaches and Oshawa. Yeah, it's a little, it's, a little, it's getting better, but I, I love my city, man. I shit talk it all the time, but it's because it's my city. I'll say what I want. The one no thing one I wanted to I, I, I wanted to ask you related to that is what mm-hmm. is the worst city in Ontario and why is it Brampton? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I have never. I haven't spent enough time out that way to really piss and moan about it. I just. I only have like, like comparisons to Oshawa. So there's like, Sarnia and London and places like that that are <laughs> dies too, right? But they're all. <laughs> everyone. Every city's got their their shit neighborhoods, right? So I don't know. Oh, yeah, my, of course. My dealing with Brampton is the Ontario opening. I'm in and out, and that's it. So that's all I got. I got. I can't say nothing bad about those people. You've pretty much that. seen all of Brampton if you've been in and out for the Ontario <laughs> yeah. Open. Yeah. That's the only good thing about Brampton is that that one weekend you get in that one spot and then everybody leaves right away. <laughs> I'm, and now it now it's in Oshawa, so I'm like. Well, yeah. That, yeah. That tournament last year was incredible, man. It was the best. I've never gone back. Yeah, you know what? I'm never going back to Brampton again. That's right. There you go. <laughs> it's excellent. Fuck, fuck Brampton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be a shirt one day. Yeah. <laughs> so, everybody, welcome to the podcast. We Today, we have Justin Bruckman on with us from Bruckman Martial Arts, a.k.a. Rebel Alliance MMA, and the host of the Justin Bruckman Adventure. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. I'm better now. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm bored of shit. I got someone to talk to. I mean, not a, not a real person, but pretty close. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, almost close. Yeah. No, I, I'm good, man. I'm just like, just trying to navigate this shit show just like everyone else. Right. It's, it's, it's weird, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's weird and stressful, but I'm happy and healthy and everyone, so is everyone in my house and my circle. So what, what can you do, man? I'd like me to, oh, I'd, like, yeah. I'd like to work and train, but you know, we'll get we'll get there eventually so we'll get there yeah like have you guys gotten has Oshawa gotten into phase three yet or are they still outside yeah you guys still outside yeah we're like yeah we're 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 just we're pretty close right down to downtown Toronto too right so like we're screwed Mm -hmm. for a bit who knows and like it's really comp it's really confusing on what to do because like the province will tell you one thing and then the bylaw will tell you something else. And then your PSO will tell you something like, so I'm not even personally, I'm not even going near it. I'm just, I'm just staying closed. Cause I'm, I don't want to have a bunch of people in my place to sit and do fucking solo drills anyway, man. It'll suck. <laughs> it'll suck my soul out. Right. So like, is, I, it's not what you signed up for when you started teaching. Mark oh Mark. my God. Like it's changed. It we've already watered this down. So you guys have been training for years. So, you know, as well. Right. But like we've already watered it down quite a bit. So if you want me to just come in a room and teach eight kids how to shrimp and do cartwheels, like I'll, I'll literally snap. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I don't know, man. I I didn't get a spinal injury to sit back and teach kids how to break dance. You know what I mean? Like they should be fucking each other up at this point. So like I did. Like <laughs> no, you, you know what? It's just it's just the the most important thing for me with training is that it's a social interaction. But man, you need to be uncomfortable every single day, and that's not what 
like and we can't put ourselves in that position that I don't want to it's not worth the risk for me to have everyone back in the doors if we can't actually do like jujitsu the way I want to teach it and the way I learned it. You know what I mean? It's just not worth it. Right. So maybe as restrictions ease up a little bit, that'll change. It'll change my mind. But for right now I'm holding strong. Like number one is everyone's safety and you know, whatever your opinion is on, on this whole situation. Like mine is like, I just want everyone to be safe. So I'm just airing on the side of caution, you know what I mean? No matter what. So you mentioned uh, something big, we're going to start off something controversial. Do you think, Jiu-jitsu is becoming, for lack of a better term, pussified in the uh, last several years. It's it's so it's changed. Not necessarily, right? Like there's, it's every martial art that came to North America got watered down and sold, right? Like you you see the karate guys from the '60s. I'm not fucking with those guys. I'll kill you. And the taekwondo <laughs> no, guy, the taekwondo <laughs> guys in the in the early '80s, and so like judo guys, like they're all the the original in the pure form of, of these martial arts that came over here they're badasses man like and and then they put it up for sale and now you're selling belts and everything else so it's been watered down that in that respect but i also think you know uh with the point system and stuff like that like now it's it's definitely you still got to be a stud and you still got to be tough to excel and, and make it to a high level but guys aren't guys aren't fighting anymore you know what I mean? Like, and when they tell me they are, I want to punch the shit out of them because you've like, it's, it's a, it's a jujitsu match. It's not a fucking fight. Like you're not in a fight. Right. So it's still like, but it all, it, but it also depends on who's uh, competing. You know what I mean? Like some guys are out there and they had that. I love that good wrestling grinding style when guys smash each other, but I, I appreciate all forms, but it's definitely changed. I wouldn't call it pussified, but I'd call it pussified a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, no. Yeah. I have two, sorry. I have two ways to look at, uh, I learned, I learned jujitsu to fight. You know what I mean? I wanted to do mm. MMA. So you had to learn that. So I learned how to, I learned it cause I wanted to submit guys. Right. And then, but I still like the side of it that's like always evolving and growing. Cause I compare it to like skateboarding or snowboarding where like, you're just going and learning new tricks and trying them with your, with or on your friends. You know what I mean? So that, that art side of it and the creative side, I love that too. But uh, I, I, I was born to, I mean, I was fucking born to kill and born to fight. And so when I see that side of it and guys comparing themselves to like, not to be like comparing yourself to me, like as a fighter or anyone else who's done, you know, like, MMA or or boxing or something like that. I'm like, mm, I'll fucking kill you. you know? I don't know. It, it, it's bu- it's, it bugs me. So I think it's safe to say that we we actually have been asking a lot of our guests: Is jujitsu a fight? I think your answer. I'm going to speak for yourself right now. Is fuck no. No, not at all. <laughs> and it, it is, man. It is a hard sport. It really is. Like you guys, you're all banged up. You get it. It is a really tough sport, but it's just a sport. It's a game, right? Mm-hmm. And whereas, in the 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 consequences aren't that dire. You submit, or you lose on points, or maybe a, maybe a twist an ankle. You know what I mean? Or go to sleep and piss yourself. Like, but like you know, once you when you've done MMA or you've or boxing, you know, the kickboxing stuff like that. Like those. Those things come with like some real repercussions, you know what I mean? So it's a little bit different. Like these guys who are fighting high level kickboxing, you ever made like they go to the hospital when they lose, you know what I mean? So, like, to me, that that's a fight. And the other thing with jiu-jitsu is like you don't have to be a fighter to be good at jiu-jitsu, you can just be a great athlete, right? And so, 
it, you're, I don't believe your heart is tested as much in jujitsu as it is in like, you know, a real tough combat sport, like, you know, tie boxing or, or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's still, still rugged. It's still hard as shit. You know what I mean? But I just, I don't know, I guess because I've, had, I've gone down so many avenues, you know what I mean? I've fought in so many different, competed in so many different sports, stuff like that. Like I know the difference, you know, because I've done it. So. So how did you first kind of get yourself introduced? I, I just because you started training jujitsu for MMA. So yeah. How did that whole process even start? Uh, like honestly, man, I'm a fucking I'm a stereotype. Like traumatic youth, angry teen, like one of the and then just <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of teen, a lot of teen angst built up yeah. in you that you, you know, wanted to <laughs> unleash on the world. Yeah. No. And really, that's what it was. It's like, man, I get I had I had a childhood that I wouldn't wish on anyone and we can get in that another day or whatever and uh and it landed me uh you know as a teenager like you know drinking your drugs and fighting and everything else and when i got out of when i squeaked out of high school i was working um working a dead-end job in some fucking factory and i missed my ride to work one more because i got in a fight i was drunk and i got in a fight the night before and i just was wandering around i'll tell you man it was march 2nd 1997 and i was wandering around uh the streets in the fuck in the rain and i just happened to stumble into this gym and i was like i was uh, i talked to the owner i'm like listen man i'm like I, i'm dying like i gotta i gotta lift weights i gotta do something i, I don't have any money I don't have, i'm like i'll sweep your floors i'll do whatever and he said why don't you try some try some judo see if you like it I'm like all right so i did a class at noon went back did a class that night went to job the next day went to my work like fuck you i quit that's it never done anything else in my whole life man i just mm -hmm. got out i i was in a basement that had like three inches of water in the fucking thing i gave up all my shit i just packed everything into a bag and i slept on the mats and served couches for years and just and here we are that's it it was just one of those eureka moments where you're yep. walking down the street and then there's just light being shined upon this yeah gym. just angels oh! and shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know it sounds cheesy but it, it was i knew i knew that day i'm like this is what i'm doing like because i saw i saw just like everyone else i saw hoist in 1993 and i'm like ooh, it wasn't hoist but like it, it wasn't hoist till later that I, I realized that i wanted to do i just saw the ufc and i was like yep i don't know how but i got to figure that shit out so it was a few years after that but that was like for my generation that was like that was the thing that set us all off. And for me, uh, what, what made me walk into that gym was like the baddest dudes I knew were all judo guys. Right. Uh, all. And so I wanted to go there and I walked in and, uh, I, and I started with judo first. Right. And then I just, then I met up with guys like Marco and monkey and those guys like that. Right. And then we started training jujitsu together. And then like, I think from two, almost two days from the day I even, I stepped on the mat for the first time I had my first, MMA fight or something like that. So, okay. So that transition, trying to like from that judo standpoint, then it was meeting up with Marco Monkey, and then it was Professor Shaw, and then yeah, did, did that all formulate right there and then, or is it kind of like a gradual it was, thing? It, honestly, it was like the most natural thing ever. Like we, uh, it was me and, and Antonio Carvello as well, and a few other guys. We were out on this end of the city, and we were kind of because I was gonna, I want to fight MMA. We were looking for other guys that were kind of, you know, in the same, on the same path. And uh, we, and Monkey was fighting IFC back then. He was like the only guy. There was no fights yet. He was like one of the first people to do it. So we, I met him at a tournament, and then we kind of got invited to Shaw's. And like within like a month, we were like, 
all my team came down there. We became one like big team guys were coming from everywhere to train at Shaw's. And that was like, just kind of the beginning of this whole group, like that are still successful today, you know? Mm-hmm. It was love at first sight. You, it was man. It was, you've been around the monkey. How do you say no? You know what I mean? The little thing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get a choice really. He'll take what he wants. So. Well, I think, I think you talked about it as well. I think, um, just you, like you were, you're out in like the East end and then they were looking for fights as well. Was that like, yep. I'm even thinking now, like kind of like MMA in Canada was like, like what you guys were formed. Was that like one of the first big kind of like, I used to say competition teams or like, yeah, for sure. I was, um, because there was, there was a few events on the West coast and then there were some events, uh, in on the, the Quebec area on the, like the reservations and stuff like that. And then, and then they formed UCC, which was turned into TKO. And we all, it was like me and a couple other dudes, we all fought on that very first show. And in the teams in on there's there was Team Tompkins in Ontario with uh, Mark and Sam and those guys. And then there was like mm-hmm. us and a few other guys around the city. And we were like the biggest teams. At one point, we held all the belts and that kind of, that torch kind of got passed over to Hominick and those guys. And then they, uh, and then, and then all the TriStar guys and then, and they kind of took off from there, but yeah, for sure. We were the, we were the first, I'd say we were probably the, I guess the first real team, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they, we call it, we we're the first ones to really start cross training as well. You know what I mean? We, and that, um, that was, that was something that made us really successful in the beginning. Cause I was like a judo guy. We had Sean Pearson, who was a wrestler and, and uh, like, we all kind of just formed like fucking Voltron and it all worked, you know, like, so it was, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we were probably one of the first teams in, in the country for sure. It sounds crazy because thinking back, like in 2020 now, you look at, you look at MMA, it's like everybody's doing jiu-jitsu, everybody's doing wrestling, yep. everybody's doing kickboxing. But like back when you were starting up, it's like you, you still have guys that are like, I'm a judo guy. I'm yep. a, but then when all you guys came in, it's like your different skill sets. Like, it's like, you're showing people what you're good at and then this guy's showing them what you're good at it's like yeah. it's like a really like that's like you really think that really is like the first kind of like conglomeration of what mma actually like became to be like today yeah. like in 2020 for, for sure right now so and we've all gone on become like specialists so now we're the because we were yeah we made all this shit up right now like we we just winged it with our teammates and now there's a jiu-jitsu coach and a wrestling coach and a boxing coach and like now we're those guys you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh it's it's pretty cool it's fun because you get the re- like you've been there and done that so you got the respect of your students because they know you took the hard road too like and i know i try not to put it on my kids but i'm like you motherfuckers don't know how good you have it you know what i mean like and, oh, yeah. and do, you, do you say this in like the littlest littlest kid class to like four-year-olds uh, you know what uh, this is why I'll tell you, this is why people like me, I think is uh, cause I fucking tell the truth, man. I do. I always tell the truth. I might change how it's delivered based on who's in the room, but who's I'm gonna the tell, audience. I'm yeah. going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the same fucking thing, man. I'm like, whether you're a 25 year old stud or you're a six year old kid in my little kid's class, going to be like, I'll tell you what's up. And I'm like, you're probably not going to be the best, but if you fucking you work hard, your odds are going to be a lot better than if you just lay around like a fucking slob. You know what I mean? Like professor justice is not giving it to you, man. Like you got to earn it, you little bitch. 
So <laughs> that's kind of kind of goes. Now let's say I, I smooth it out for the six year old, and but that's exactly how I tell a twenty five year old. This, you know this like, reminds <laughs> me of the speech in the Water Boy with Lawrence Taylor, where he's, he's giving a speech to all the kids. He's like, "All right, kids, now don't smoke crack." Easy enough. It's like easy enough. Sound advice. I every every grading, man, because I I. I do my gradings like a certain way. You've probably seen them online. They're a fucking. They're enormous. They're, they're a show. They're enormous. Right? You but just I got do the, everybody on the match. It's oh, we just. It's a. If someone dies every time, right? But that's another story. So with the kids, but it's kids the same thing. Like we, we I go out there and smash the kids. Like I don't care, man. Like, and I don't. Gradings are free. I charge a donation. We give it all to charity every single time. And I make sure that they know that. And I make sure I fucking kids fail. Because if you didn't earn it, fuck you. You're not getting it. And I tell them the same speech every time. And new parents are always kind of baffled by it. We're like, we'll sit down and be, all right, listen. I'm like, okay, we live in a, kids and they're 10. I'm like, we live in a world where, you know, your mom and your dad and social media and your teachers, they, they tell you that you can grow up and be whatever you want. And I'm like, I'm here to tell you that you can't. And the parents... <laughs> <laughs> and, the par- and the parents all just stand there. Some of my them mom, heard the speech. My mom said I could be an astronaut. No, I, no, John. Well, you can't. You, you can't, <laughs> right? And I'm like, but I'm like, I'm just being honest. And I'm like that. We all have limitations. But if you don't don't go and test those limits, you'll know what they. You won't know what they are. So you got to get out there and you got to work hard and you got to and you got to push it all the time to find out what you're made of. If you don't do that, then you don't deserve shit, right? So hard work. And, and discipline and you'll be in your odds of being successful are going to be greater, but don't think you're just going to get fucking given something because mommy and daddy told you you were, or Instagram told you you could be whatever you want. Right. I'm your first, like, I'm your first, first real hard lesson in life, man. I'm like you didn't work hard. You don't get a piece of tape on your belt, man. But I tell you when he gets that piece, that little kid gets that piece of tape next time, man, it's fucking Christmas because now he gets it right. Like mm-hmm. that's the best part about my job is I can, I can say all the things that a teacher in an elementary school or high school can't say, right? And parents know that bringing their kids to me in the first place. That's why they're there. They, cause they know I'm a hard ass. Like I got a big heart and I treat people fair, but they know, they know why they're signing their kid up with me because I'm going to fail them because this kid's <laughs> given, right. And because this kid's given everything, I'm going to give them that hard lesson. That hard lesson is going to change them for the rest of their lives. Right. So. The, Big question I want to ask you, and I, I see this at a lot of schools. It, you you probably see it as well. There, I think there's a balance between we were talking about this. You hinted at it earlier, where you know martial arts is a business, like it's being sold. Yeah. Like your yeah. your school is obviously it's a business. Like you can't run it for free. Like you have to pay rent. Yeah. And then there's like the the core roots of you know what a martial art should be. You know, hard work, dedication, courage, honor, all that. How do you? do you find a balance between like the business side of things? Cause you're, and the business side of things and like the martial arts side of things, do you like, do you find a balance or you're just like, you know what? Like, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way I'm going to run my school. I don't care what other people um, are doing. You can't just, you know, swipe your grading card, you know, like, Hey, I stamped my no. grading card. I have enough classes for a grading. Uh, uh-uh, bitch. You got to learn no, no. how to Dude, I've never <laughs> taken attendance in my place in my life, man. So, <laughs> so but what the, what the business and the martial arts side is very simple. Okay. So I don't sell, I sell martial arts lessons. That's it. 
what you do with those lessons is all up to you. If you work hard and study the information and you practice and you're respectful and you do all the things we expect you to do on the mats, then you'll progress in your martial art, right? What I don't do is fucking sell belts. So you can take as many martial arts lessons as you fucking want and keep paying me for as long as you feel like. But if you're not putting in the work, you're still not getting the belt. The lessons are for sale. The belts aren't. That part's easy. The other, the rest of it is hard. Like, because the, you guys know this is a person, personality like base and driven industry. You guys are at your academies because you love your instructors and your friends and your teammates. And, but you know the drama that goes on in these places between teammates between the instructors, between different schools, like that's the hard shit. Because when you're on top of the heap, like I am, like running the whole school and like maybe having five or six different schools work with me and look up to me, like there's a lot of people to manage and personalities. And you got to make sure everyone gets along. I'm like, you don't even got to like each other. You just got to get along. That's the hard part because there's always something going on, right? So there's, it's not just business and the martial arts. It's like, then there's the community. So you have to like, kind of figure out how to fucking juggle all those things it's a lot time. of shit it, to it, juggle. Re- it, it really is right you guys you guys been along around a long to along and around yeah i can't even speak today to you guys know like you've been around for years and you understand how it works you've seen people come and go you know what i mean and like so, sometimes personalities don't fit and they just wander in the door and wander out sometimes people stay forever even though you don't want them to you need those people too right so I've been trying to get rid of Aaron for years. And he just won't. <laughs> I'm not going leave. anywhere. <laughs> not leaving. Those Can't are the best. The, they're the best ones, man. Those are the best ones. So, have like you noticed, I, especially? Sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you off. No, good. But um, yeah, you did. Have you notice how um, your teaching style or how you manage that community has changed over the years compared to like when you first started, or like absolutely. Uh, I probably like every other guy my age in the GTA is, uh, or in, in jujitsu is like, we got in it, learn how to do it, do it, fucking kill ourselves to get it done. And then decided that we only wanted to train competitors. And after about three weeks, we realized that we were going to be broke and we're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> so we got to switch this up a bit. We need so, to find a balance. <laughs> right. But, but that's the thing is like what I learned, it took me a long time to figure out, but like if you treat, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or any, any martial art, if you treat it like a sport, it's going to break your heart. It's going to kill you and you're going to go broke. But if you treat it like a martial art, then you can have it forever. Anyone can, you can always ride that out. I'll be, I'm going to be 90 years old. I'm going to st- st- like step my crippled ass on the mats and hang out with my friends. You know what I mean? Because it's not about winning. When you figure that out, then like learning how to teach and uh, like, and kind of change things up for, for, for the group that you have in front of you or even breaking up the group when you have them in there, it's a lot more easier because you can't like the competitors are going to find a way to win anyway. Right. The guys that really want to cross. So I teach the group and the guys who are real studs. I'm like, okay, now we can add this in over here and I'll make it a little tougher for you and speed up your drill and maybe smash on you a little bit. You guys, I don't water it down. I'll just change it. So it's a little more, you know, it's a game of like, it's more of a game. And then over here is a bit more sport. Like you can't smash eight-year-olds you know what i mean with hardcore wrestling drills and be dropping them on their heads and and you can't but you can't do that to guys in their 50s too right you gotta you gotta figure out a way to balance it all right so the the guys are recreational pay the bills and they just want to hang out and sweat once a day and they'll so you show them the techniques and you you give it to them and they'll and they'll figure out their own version and the, the studs 
will will drill the shit out of shit at home because they don't have girlfriends, and then it all fucking works out. Yeah. <laughs> or or drill it on their girlfriends. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that shit's weird too. I'm like, I I'll tell you, I'm honest, man. Like when I go home, like I don't think about jujitsu. I don't watch jujitsu videos. I don't dream about jujitsu. I'm like, I'm done. I'm good. Like those mm-hmm. days are over, man. Like every once in a while, something will pop in my head. But like when I leave the mats, I'm like, I'm not I'm good for the day. I want to. So I want to see these young guys who are like at home doing solo drills and doing this, and do that, and trying to get their girlfriends to train. I'm like, man, you guys are fucking insane to me. But like, uh, I was probably <laughs> like that once. I don't know. But. I think it's um, just commenting. I, I think you've probably found a good balance between like you know hardcore training and bringing in like the casual people like i think it's you can't just hey okay like we can't just you know shrimp for an hour or go home yeah. but like you also can't murder them either there's got to be yeah. a balance and i think you find a i think you f- like find a good balance like with hardcore training you don't have to hold everybody's hand you can yeah. push people that are still eight between or, or if they're eight years old or they're 50 you can still push them in different yeah. ways yeah, absolutely. You know what? The what, one thing I really love about this is like you get to teach people how tough they actually are. They don't know. It's funny. Like some people come in thinking they can't do it. And then you just uh, give them a little more, give them a little more every day. And they find out how resilient they really are. And then you get the other side of the coin where these guys come in, they think they're badasses and they find out they're pussies really quick. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like you've seen it. How many times you have a guy wander in the door saying, I want to fight? I'm like, well, that guy's <laughs> that guy's gonna be done in two weeks. You know what I mean? Because I'll have some some little kid turn him inside out, and his ego can't handle it. Because he, you know what I mean? Like he goes from sucker punching people at last call to getting choked out by a 15 year old. He just takes his tiny little dick and goes home. It's always the it's always the <laughs> recreational guys that turn into the killers. They walk in just kind of wanting to try something new, and then they're like, "Oh, jujitsu is fun. Can we do some wrestling? Can I do some boxing?" And boom, next thing you know, you're got someone in the cage. You know what I mean? So. Me and Aaron both have stories of that. We're just like our first oh, yeah. jiu-jitsu session going in. Ah, oh, you know, I'm going to try out this new thing. Because I just liked MMA. Like, I was watching it. Yeah. I was a fan. I did a jiu-jitsu class. I'm like, after that, I'm like, I need to do this more <laughs> immediately. And I thought I was going to be like some big badass MMA fighter. I just love jiu-jitsu. And I just kept yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I still love it. I still love rolling. I still love when I can. You know what I mean? Like, I love I loved to fight more than anything in the world. Like I like, I I'll fight with no one watching. I don't need cameras. I don't need an audience. I just like fighting. I like that part of it, but jujitsu is just fun, man. Like it's like yeah. I mentioned earlier, it's just like going skateboarding, just rolling around trying new shit. Like it's fun. I wish I treated with my body with a little more respect so I can enjoy it even more now. Cause now I'm just a gimp, but like it is, if you, if you treat it properly, man, you'll have it forever. Like, you know, you guys will be kicking the shit out of each other in your sixties. It's going to be amazing. You know what I mean? So when you look at back at all those hard training days that you guys did in the dungeon, I assume you guys would never want to change a thing or would you want to change certain things or no, not, no, man. Like I have honestly, I have no regrets, man. Like we had to, we had to learn the hard way to protect these, these kids now. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it was the best. It was the best, man. Like I was, training with my best friends every single day and every single day I'd stand at the top of those stairs like ah, fuck this is gonna suck <laughs> right and going because I know because I know Sean Pierce is gonna beat the shit out of me and Marco's gonna strangle me and Monkey's gonna annoy me and whatever you know what I mean like 
it's it was scary every single day and it was amazing i couldn't wait for it it was the best like uh you know the injuries and all the dumb shit we did like i don't regret any of it because now i can use my experience to protect these kids from themselves right like i I have a kid hurt i'm like you gotta go home that's it man because you can't be i have so many injuries with my neck and back like i'm fucked forever now i don't want I i would never want anyone to live as uncomfortably as i live and now and the last few years with concussions and things like that too i'm like man i'm like I don't want anyone to feel like I feel, you know what I mean? I'm sitting in a fucking dark room. I can't stand lights or smells and shit like that. I just spent the last year getting my brain poked at, you know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, like I can, I took that risk away from a lot of people in this generation. So I wouldn't change in any way. Number one, cause it was so fucking fun. It was amazing. And uh, number two, I'm like, it was, I was paying my dues and paving the road to make it safer for other people so they can enjoy it, you know, and maybe have some more longevity and and then pass it on to someone else. Right. So. I gotcha. So when you look back at like your MMA days of like being in the ring with guys like GSP, David Alonzo, all those other guys as well in your pro career, what kind of like sense of feeling do you get from that kind of stuff? Um, I, you know, I, I, I love it, man. I, I really love fighting and I love, have looking back at my career i have no regrets like your wins and your losses just become they're all the same right and mm-hmm. for me it's always the george st pierre thing you're like you fought george st pierre i'm like i did yes i did how'd that go i'm like you saw it why are you asking me nine million people saw that video on youtube you know exactly <laughs> you know, I, you know, it was a one sure you asking me that I know. Just look it up, right but i'm like yeah but i fucking did it and like it's on my it's on my resume like no one knew that guy was going to be you know yeah, you know, nobody the, would know that. You know nobody I mean? like, knew that he would turn into like one of the greatest MMA fighters. He, in history. Yeah, right. But I'm a piece of his legacy. I watch. I watched his. Um, they did his. Um, the UFC did his Hall of Fame thing, and I was on his highlight reel. I'm like, right on. Woo! Like he's just beating the piss out of me. But I was still there. I finally made the UFC. <laughs> you know? <You're> it. <laughs> so I, I, it was, it was amazing. I wouldn't change it again. That's all. That's part, part of history. Like George beat me to win his championship. And like four fights later, he's in the UFC and another couple after that, he's the champion. Now he's considered one of the greatest of all time. Like, and uh, I like being like, we were the first ones to do in this country. And, and I met so many awesome people like David was my friend. They knew George always stops. And we'd always talk when we see each other. And like, I like every dude I ever fought except this one dude. And I made him, if you go back through my resume, you'll know which one it wasn't because I fucked him up for an extra round. But like, I love it. It was the best. It was the best, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any. I'm really proud to be a part of, of that history in Canada. It was awesome. We made it up and now look where we are now, man. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. The wins and the losses, they teach you just so much, so much, man. It made me the man I am today. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for all of it. Wouldn't change any of it. And so, um, cause recently you did a fight in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of like sparked that? Was it just one of those things where um, it's like, you know what, I want to do it. Cause like you went to Thailand, you trained there and you went. It was, um, well. it was, I got, I, I always had the fight in me. And, um, I like to test myself and just hooking up with the other schools in our area with like Cal Samrat and Muay Thai Whitby and a few other, it just started to really like get my MMA guys. And I jump in for sparring. I was getting better shape, better shape. And no one really ever taught me how to kickbox. 
so it was fun for me. I just started to train with proper coaches and I'm learning and learning and learning. I'm like, and then I just showed up at a smoker one day and someone's like, do you want to fight? I'm like, yup. So I did that. And then a few months later, there was an actual card in Oshawa. So I jumped on that. And then my friend uh, in Thailand, he's like, man, come do one here. And you could say you did it in Thailand, like did it in the homeland. I'm like, let's do it. It was, and it was, it was the best experience out of my whole career was probably the greatest experience. Like if my championships and pay-per-views and all this shit, that was the best thing I ever did because I'd been already, I'd been retired for 15 years with like spinal injuries and this and that. And everyone was like, do it. You can do it. People started me a GoFundMe page and all this shit. They're like raised all the money and got behind me and like had, and it was just the biggest party. And I like my whole, I felt like people were sending me money from all over the world to go get this done. So I felt like a superhero. And then <clears throat> just to learn that style and go compete in it, like not at a super high level or anything, but like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and go do the, and go there and in the culture and do the Y crew and like have my best friends in my corner and stuff like that. It was the, it was probably the greatest night of my life. It was amazing. And then I, it was my first, I never knocked anyone out before either. It was my first knockout. So that was fun That's too. Awesome. So, yeah. It it's amazing awesome. what a good kickboxing training can do. It's, it's, kickboxing is so underrated like as far like i didn't know that i couldn't kickbox i just know how to fight you know what i mean like kickboxing is complicated intricate shit just like jiu-jitsu just like boxing like you think it's just pun- throwing punches and kicks and i'm like there's so much to it right so i did a crash course for about two years and then i was like fuck it let's try it right so i knew i could fight so I just had to figure out the, the rules right so yeah. is there anything currently on your bucket list uh, com- competition competitive <clears throat> career wise that's that's still there that you still want to accomplish yeah absolutely um i really wanted to do the ontario open this year and i was because i've been off jiu-jitsu forever but i had all the uh cicero costa guys teaching at my place and i was like so i i was spent a few months drilling and starting to roll whatever else i've and then i was going down to gringo's place every week and I'm almost glad for this COVID thing, man, because I was so fucking mangled by these kids. They're just fucking me up every week. I'm like, <laughs> my jiu-jitsu days are over, right? But um, I've done, I do a lot of running, and I really want to do the um, – and I did – I've done some mountain races in Europe and stuff like that. I got to be um, – I did the Red Bull 400 in Germany, and I got to be Canada's, like, flag bearer for that. That was pretty cool. Uh, I've done a few marathons. I want to do an ultra – and I want to do the Great Wall of China uh, marathon when we can finally get back on airplanes. Because, like, that was something that was kind of on my list. It's supposed to be one of the hardest ones in the world. And I'm like, if you're gonna any, if you're gonna do anything, I'm like, you should fucking get after it and go big. So that's on my list of things to do. Like, the days of getting punched in the head are gone. Like, and and my I got a couple surgeries coming up on my neck, so the jiu-jitsu days are over. But I still got some knees. So I'll run on those for a little bit. So a couple of races in cool places and yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy, but if you're going to do it, man, go do something really awesome, man. Like no one should aim small, get up, like do something wicked. Right. So that's yeah. China. I want to go to China. So when, um, obviously going from that fighter to a club owner, yep. that's a big transition. So like how, like, like, I know you, you kind of said like, it was that, okay, we're going to tra- train competitors and then you don't do that anymore. What type of transition? Like, how did you decide, okay, I want to be a club owner now. It was, uh, it was, 
I was very fortunate and it came very natural for me where like the judo club that I began in, we started training jiu-jitsu in there. So I had my own little group and I was at Shaw's all the time training in Toronto. And then an opportunity for some mat space came up and, uh, and I jumped on it and, uh, my, all my friends and students came with me. So I kind of just walked in the door like 20 years ago, well, 16 years ago, there really wasn't any gyms or martial arts. So we kind of made that part up, you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. Not like today. So the transition was pretty easy because there was no blueprint anyway. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just kind of doing it. Right. And then um, I, my first second location, I was there for like maybe two, three years. And then, then I moved again and we just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, you st- I still make a lot of expensive mistakes as a gym owner. Like it's a hard business. There's not a lot of margin for error. You know what I mean? But like the transition for me was smooth because all my friends were with me and came with me from day one. And they kind of just, got real jobs and let me be the leader, you know, to meet up the gym and they're all still doing what they're doing. And I'm, I'm still doing my doing. I, I still have the same guys on the mass with me that I had 20 years ago. Right. So I, they, but they went on to be teachers and shit and I just, and cops and whatever. And I did this, right. They had more common sense. Uh, yeah. The, it was really, really, like I said, it was easy transition because there was no plan to follow. You just wing, you just wing it and it kind of worked. Right. So I asked this uh, question to Fernando. Um, Anybody out there who's looking to open like a martial arts school, like what advice would you give them? I did he say don't? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the advice I give. He said he said he said study business thoroughly. Yeah, Fernando Fernando and I uh, do things so completely opposite. You know, what I mean, like he's he he's very passionate about the sport and he loves his guys and it shows, you know what I mean? Cause his Fernando's guys will do anything for him, but he's also all business and he's a boss where I'm not, I'm not a boss, man. I'm a leader, but being a leader and being a boss are two different things. Fernando wants something done. You're just going to tell you to fucking do it and you're going to get it done. If I want you to do something, I can maybe ask or suggest that maybe you do it. And then when you don't do it, I'll do it myself and I'll pay you anyway. Like that's kind of how it works at my place. So like it's, it's, it is, yeah, you got to know the business world inside and out. You got to know people, you got to know how to sell, you got to like marketing. It's, it is a hard, hard job. Any, anyone in self-employed and any, any entrepreneur, you better, you better do your research. But uh, I know, I know my product that's, and so does Fernando. That's why it's an easy sell, right? I think for anyone who wants to get into this trade you better believe in what you're doing because if you don't it's going to come out real quick and you're going to lose your shirt right if you're just in it for the money you don't love the martial arts people will figure it out pretty fast and and that'll be the end of it right fernando is very successful because he really does love what he does you know i mean he loves his job he loves his martial art and he's a boss on top of that me I wing, wing the boss business part, but I do love what I do. So it always kind of works out where people are loyal and they stick it out. Right. So yeah, it's a hard gig, man. I, my first answer is I'm sticking with that. Just don't, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't go in there. Yeah, don't, yeah and then you're not going to like what you find. So. The one thing that I've really noticed, especially for you, for when you do your social media stuff, and then as you even said during uh, your grading is all about donating to charity. Mm-hmm. Is he like you guys do a lot of work with the city of Oshawa? Oh yeah, absolutely. How impor- like how important is it? Because I I don't really even see other clubs do it, right? That's why I want to highlight you on this. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying clubs don't do it. So if anybody's offended by that, please don't say that. But how do you how do you think like it is so important for you guys to be involved um, in the community like that? 
I've got a, I've got a lot of reasons for it. Uh, you're going to make me all misty. Dude, I love where I live. I love my city. I'm everything I am because this place built me up and followed me and, and still carries me to this day. So I have a lot to be thankful for. And, uh, and also I've had, like, I have a lot of support in the community business wise and like it, through everything, you know what I mean? So I want to give back as much as I can. Also like growing up, like I did and, uh, <clears throat> being, uh, you know, growing up a little rougher and, um, I'm extremely thankful for all I have. So I feel it's important to, to give people a leg up whenever you can, because people gave me a chance in life where, you know, I could end this, this ride one turn, I could end up, you know, a lot different. Right. So I want to give back as much as I can. And the city's our city has a, it's a rough, rough city and people need a lot of help. And uh, it just, so I continue to give back in lots of different charities and I'm always out there doing something. And it's to the point where it's become more like people know that I'm the guy to go to when they need something done or they need something needs attention drawn to it or some help. And I'm like, I'm just fucking happy to play that role now. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, I enjoy it. It's one of the best parts of the job because now we're, you know, we're just as notorious with the city, with, with the, the community service and the charities that we do as we are with our martial arts now. Right. And to me, that's super important because your biggest and most important fans are always going to be in your backyard and it, and you got to take care of those people, you know, like I really, I love this fucking place, man. I've been all over the world and I love coming home. Like it's a weird place, man, but it treats me like royalty. And so I got to give back every chance I can. Right. So I think it's important. What are some of the, um, I guess, I guess, I guess, what are some of the areas of like the city of Oshawa that you're, you know, you're looking to improve on or you're looking to, to help out? Um, Oshawa's kind of weird where it's like, it's got little pockets of like rougher neighborhoods, you know what I mean? Like any city, the South end is always like the, the South end. And that's where my, <laughs> that's where my, I keep my gym down there because, um, the real estate's cheap <laughs> and, and it's actually, it's where, it's where it, where it requires my most attention as well. Like, so if you're in the North end of town, every kid can afford to play hockey. They don't need me. You know what I mean? So I try to keep everything kind of where I'm accessible to, you know, people who, you know, maybe need a leg up, you know, and, uh, and cause that, that's huge to me. Like, uh, a lot of, we support a lot of families, a lot. I do fundraisers every year. So a lot of kids can train or I just pay for it myself or whatever. What's it cost me, you know, to have a kid on the mats, get him a gi, you know, like, and you, it sucks because you help out these families and these kids, whatever, and you, your heart gets broken so many times, but you get that one kid that finishes high school or comes back or gets into college or finishes his like uh, apprenticeship or something like that. You're like, fuck yeah, man. It was all worth it for every kid that burnt you or didn't, you know, you didn't get that appreciation or love back that it's all worth it for that, you know, family that you help out or whatever. Right. So I love, I just keep, yeah, man, I just, our, our South end of town has is pretty rough and there's, you know, it's like anywhere else, drugs and gangs. And, you know, we're here. Oshawa is like that white trash kind of pill popping crime community. You know what I mean? So you gotta, I'm, I fit in fine. One big happy family. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think you, you mentioned something that's I think very important. We talked about like there's gyms that like, Hey, I want to build world champions or mm-hmm. like, I want to build the sport. I think what you're doing is, probably more important than even beyond those things. It's, it's helping the community. I think that's yeah. what we're, we're getting at. I think both are important. Right. And, uh, I want to, I want to build resilient 
people and hardworking kids. You know what I mean? Like I want, man, I would love to make a world champion one day, but that's Fernando's job, not mine. You know what I mean? That's his, what, what he's going to do or, or Cal Samurai, they're going to make world championship kickboxers. So I'm like, I want to, I'd like to make some world championship people. You know what I mean? Like I just want kids to get through high school and get into college and do whatever they can, they can do and, and find their way in life. Cause like, I'm a prime example of like, you could fuck it all up and still be okay. So no matter where you are, you can figure it out. So, you know, that's, I, I, I like that part of the job where, like I said, sometimes you get your heart broken, but it's fuck totally worth it when you get a success story out of it. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, and, and it's, and that, to being community minded like that has, has led me to so many other like opportunities and avenues speaking in places. And, you know what I mean? And, and even now, like it's created job, like that has created job opportunities for me and stuff like that. So it's like, you're going to find a lot of business comes out of, of that, that community mind as well too. Right. It's important. So it well, never, hurts, it never hurts to be nice to people, man. That's all. It goes all that way back to just giving back. Right. Yeah, I absolutely. Think how you be successful. It's like you if you find success is how do you give that back to your community and everybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, well, it's lead by example too, right? Like mm-hmm. I do, uh, I, I put stuff out on social media, but I'll tell you right now, I do way more shit behind closed doors than I do like to like, uh, you know, you see so many people out there just with their camera phone out trying to just looking for attention for themselves. You know what I mean? Like that's not why you should be doing things. Right. I'm not dropping off a, a truckload of food and taking pictures and blasting it online because I want to look cool. I'm doing it. So maybe someone else will do that shit. You know what I mean? Like, but people are attention horse and uh, that's not really, like I said, I, I take care of a lot of people with the cameras off. You know what I mean? People don't need to know. It's, it's, yeah, I do it for me. Like it's selfish. I'm like, but I want to helping someone else makes me feel good. You know what I mean? So if that's a bad thing, like, sorry, but like, if I can have a good day because I helped someone out or did something good and I'm helping someone at the same time, like everyone's winning, you know what I mean? But it's uh, we, we live in a world where people don't want to do anything nice for someone. If, if no one else is watching, I'm like, that shouldn't be like that. You know what I mean? This, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Be nice. Be nice. It never it takes no energy to be nice to people, man. And, and do good things like really doesn't. Right. And if you can help and you can motivate other people to do the same, then your job's done. Right. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, especially when everybody's, I guess, when all the restrictions are kind of off, so everybody can kind of get back to a sense of normal. And then how did you take the time that you were off and what did you learn from it? And how can you be more to community or more to everybody else as well? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I found throughout this whole thing, when it first started getting weird, I thought you kind of saw the worst in people, but then it kind of started to smooth out. People chilled out a little bit. And I found, I find people throughout this thing a bit helpful and friendly for the most part. Everyone's a little bit stressed. So, you know, someone's having a shit day in the route. I try not to judge them too much, but like, mm-hmm. I think we've hopefully, I know I personally have taken in my own life with business and home life and everything else. I've taken a step back and taken a little bit of breath and, and realized like, how fast it's all going by, you know, so you got to kind of look around. Like I've watched, you know, I spent the last four months with my son, which I've never got to do, you know what I mean? And being at home with my, with my family and stuff, it's like massive. Right. So hopefully, and I know a lot of people said the same, hopefully we don't forget, forget too quickly. Right. And when it all gets back to normal, everyone just goes back to working 60 hours a week and spending more than they have. But sadly people are pretty stupid and we probably will. 
<laughs> what are you gonna do? It's like gonna I, do? I'm very pessimistic on my view of <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't know. I always want, I always want what's best. But like I said, people are, are we're the human race are uh, they forget quick, right? That's why we keep having world wars. So we can no. figure. You got out a good heart. Time. You want you you got a good heart. You want to give back to the community. I gave you a lot. You want to you want to give them you know, maybe the opportunities that you found walking through the rain where the light was shining on that <laughs> yeah. show back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, and that's also where like, that's why I like sharing my story too, man. So like, hopefully that motivates someone too. Cause like, man, when I found martial arts, I was in the worst, one of the worst spots I had in my life. You know what I mean? And it just stumbled into it. So like, there's always some hope out there for people. So that's thing. If you've had a dad, if you've got a good story, you should share it as much as you can. Cause maybe that motivates someone else. You know what I mean? And like, that's what you guys every you guys are telling everyone's story now and that shit's important to go listen to what people have to say because maybe maybe it's not me but maybe it's someone else that you have on that they share something that motivates someone else to go do something good right <clears throat> like who, who knows man like just uh just get you gotta be positive and just you know just be nice to people and just keep working hard things will turn out okay so when you kind of look back at like all the days of uh, training and, and road stories, especially going and competing in Montreal and, or, or the reservations. What's kind of like one of those stories that kind of like really stick out for you? You're going to get him in trouble, but go no, on. No, no. <laughs> honestly, I don't even know where to start. Like, I remember like in. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> uh, we, man, we were in. Um, we went down to. We used to go down to Chicago, Hammond, Indiana fucking scary place <laughs> we used to go down there and fight for shooto ironheart crown all the time me tony monkey like and we'll go down there and we went down there with monkey and uh he actually and he fought miguel torres it was a bloodbath it was um he, monkey was crazy things in this fight M miguel torres was the greatest fighter in the world at that, at that point and my, i think monkey i can't remember if you had him he he had stefan bonner in his corner and me in 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 monkey's corner and monkey's got, I think he's got a toe hold on him. And I'm, I'm, we're like screaming, we're like, break it, break it. Right. And he, he's looks like this and he's like, it's already broken. Like in Miguel Torres's foot is turned like this. <laughs> it's turned the other way. Right. It's and already Ma broken. What do you do? And then oh. Miguel, Miguel's like a serial killer. Like he's not even blinking. Right. So I'm like, oh. holy shit. And then, uh, and then Bonner's in the corner and he's chirping monkey. He's talking all sorts of shit. He's, he's quitting. He's quitting. And monkey looks at him and he Bonner just got knocked out by Machida like recently. And he's, he's like, like you quit against Machida. Like he chirps him back right in the middle of the fight. <laughs> or something like that. And, I'm, and then anyways, and I think the second or third round monkey eats a big knee in the face and it breaks. It's like shatters his fucking nose. He still whistles oh. out of it to this day. Anyways, the fight was stopped a little later on. Cause he was, he just couldn't go anymore. He was fucked. So after the fight, uh, like it and sorry, this fight was so bloody. They're like like Bambi on ice. They were both slipping all over the place. It was oh, crazy. Man. So they're both cut, bleeding everywhere. Oh, it was it was disgusting. So, so of course we're all the way down in South Chicago or Hammond or whatever, and no one's got any insurance. Like we all just bombed it down there. So we got to pile monkey in the car and drive him back to Canada because his face is fucking smashed. So we stop at this uh, we well, we stop on this gas station on the way out near the, the where we fought. And people, everyone's pumping gas, and then you kind of hear like some noise, like pop, pop, and sit, sit, 
And then all of a sudden, we're like, what the fuck is that? And next thing you know, there's two, like, just gunfire. Like, people just start shooting. We're like, holy shit. So, like, people are just shooting at each other in the park <laughs> next to us. So, we all just dive into these cars. And people are, like, like tucking down, like, driving. I didn't even know if they pulled the fucking nozzle out of the gas tank. They Everyone just pinned it out of there and just ripped it back ripped it back to Canada so we could fix monkey's nose pretty much. Like, so that was that a lot of shit like that happened. So it was pretty fun. So then Mikey got his nose busted. We ended up in a middle of a gunfight and just Stephen Bonner. Got shit <laughs> it was pretty good. Pretty, it's, it's, it's a typical Tuesday for yeah, the, it was uh, a pretty, plan. pretty good night. Now that's my version of the story. Did it really happen like that? I don't know. Cause I'm always the drunk guy after the fights. Right. So <laughs> and I never, never really know. So, but that, and that shit was, that was also the best part about the ride is like, you'd never, it wasn't structured like it was today. Like everything was, everything with MMA now is like sanctioning bodies and commissions and everything's to the minute. Like back then it was just insane. Like you just show up and fight half the time. We went to, I guess there one more. We went to uh, this place. Me, monkeys, Jason St. Louis, a few other guys. We went down to this place called Hicksville, no shit, Hicksville, Ohio, <laughs> for a fight. And we get there and St. Louis fighting. And uh we're in the fit we're in like the like a tool shed at a fucking fairgrounds in Hicksville. Sorry, this is J- Jason St. Louis, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and first off, it's a it's a square cage. So like it's a cage, but it's square. So it's a fucking box. <laughs> yeah, right? Which I'm like, eh, fuck, whatever. Back then, it, that didn't even surprise us that much. We're like, all right, whatever. And then now we're sitting around. It's a bunch of, there's a bunch of rednecks and hillbillies standing around, like guys just hucking butts and having Harley Davidson bandanas on. And we're like, ah, that's St. Louis guy over there. We're like, that's who we're fighting. We're like, ah, we'll make short work of this guy, get our $100 and go home, right? So wait around for a couple hours. <laughs> do a bullshit warm up, walk out to fucking to the cage. And then St. Louis guy comes out. We're like, that's not the same guy. <laughs> then big, huge fucking stud D one wrestler and his American flag shorts walks out. And we're like, holy <laughs> fuck. And then, uh, and we're like, Oh, we're here now. Fight starts. St. Louis throws a couple of jabs. Guy double legs and spikes him into the corner of the cage and just starts pounding. And this guy, he was a big kid. Like he, as soon as he hit a couple of shots in the ribs, I'm like, Oh, and then he just started teeing off instantly his face. And then I can't remember. I think I, I, I don't remember the order, but like, I think monkey threw the towel over the cage and before the towel even hit the floor, like we had the cage door open running in cause we thought he was dead. And then <laughs> same thing. We, 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 we went to, uh, we had no help. We had to go to, he was so beat up that we had to take him to the hospital. Oh boy. So we, t- we took him to the Ooh. hospital and got him looked at. He's shattered, like broken orbital, and he's all messed Ooh. up. But, but we ended up, say, pumped him full of meds, and we ended up just taking him back to Toronto anyway. And then, uh, but he couldn't fly because his head was crushed. So he had to stay in Ontario because he was out in Calgary or something like that. So we, he had to stay in Ontario for like an extra four or five weeks because he couldn't, mm-hmm. we couldn't transport him. And then I think he ended up getting like a $40,000 bill in the mail, like years oh. later from. <laughs> Ohio. Like, <laughs> From Hicksville, USA. Hicks, yeah. So like 
what if, the hell is this? So uh, when these kids are out there competing and be like, there's no fresh fruit in our dressing room, like, fuck off, man. Like, we almost <laughs> we almost died for this. All right. So I don't want to hear about it. We paid our dues. I know. You think Hicksville got their 40 grand? Not a fucking chance, man. Like, but like we literally almost all died, like several occasions doing shit if, like this. If we right? get cease so, and desist letters from Hicksville, we'll edit this yeah, part out. Sure. So, they, oh, these are all alleged stories, by the way. They may alleged, or may, okay, yeah, may or okay. may not have happened, right? So, yeah, like that. And, Dis- disclaimer: everything on this podcast yeah. is false, <laughs> and that's and to we'll me, that's that always the, always the best ourselves. stuff, man. It's like stories like that. that. It's like, I love, I love that shit. Cause it was the wild, wild west. That was a, the, all the crazy stories from the road where like, they were the best part of the job. Like you never knew it was going to happen because it wasn't really a job yet. It was just kind of this weird adventure. You know what I mean? It was just, we're just making it up. It was the best. So, yeah, and that plays into two. your podcast, yes. which may be called the Justin Bruckman adventure. So we're on a bit of a timeout right now. So that's why I'm so happy to hang out with you guys tonight. So, oh, lovely. so <clears throat> we're, uh, uh, we're going for about a year and a half and my partner just needed a little time. He's bu- he's busy right now. So with his other job and stuff like that. So he's doing his thing and I'm just hanging out at home and hopefully we'll get back to it soon. And, uh, I've all, but I've also had like a couple, uh, other people ask me if I want to do something with them. So man, I like to talk, hang out with my friends, tell dick and fart jokes and fight stories like so the more i can do That's it the everything this podcast is about <laughs> yeah right so, yeah. so the more i can do that the better you know what i mean i it, and uh so hopefully my my partner and i get back to work sometime soon but if not that's okay too i'll figure something else out so there's always there's always room in the entertainment world for me i'll figure i'll find my way so yeah there's, there's always a place where they tell stories it's amazing yeah. yeah should we also tell a story of how we got you on this podcast just I asked for you, fun. didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it was funny because I was just like, I was sitting there. He's like, "Get me on your goddamn podcast." I'm like, well, "Yeah, okay, no problem." Yeah, I'm like, well, oh, I'm sitting there no, watching. You're like, you have every one of my friends on. You didn't ask me. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? I'm like, put me on your goddamn podcast. Like, <laughs> hey, fucker, why would you ask me yet? I blame Aaron. You know, I wanted to have you on episode one, two, three. I'm not four, sure I'd buy that know, either. <laughs> This, this fucking guy over here without a soul is like, nah, I think nah, we're going to leave Justin Bruckman off. We're gonna, no, we're he doesn't sound like any fun off. at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's, um, so especially like now that like you see the road that was paved of like, again, going to all these different towns, a hundred bucks for a fight, yep. no medical insurance. And now you see it so structured and you look at even like fighters nowadays are still arguing and fighting for pay mm-hmm. and meanwhile boxing is still such a high profile sport where they're making x amount of money do you see it making more or you see like guys shut up like uh i think they should all get paid more because we're when you get in there you're giving something away that you're never going to get back and that's your health mm-hmm. you know what i mean and uh, so you should be compensated for that like some people should get like any sport, some like the best should get paid the best most money. You know what I mean? That's the way it should be. But until everyone somehow sticks together and figures it out, that's not going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Some guys it's, it's a world where it's every man for himself. If you don't want to fight for 10 grand, the next guy will, because the fans don't know what they're watching anyway. They just see violence. They don't see the skill level involved. Right. They think that, uh, you know, Conor McGregor is the best fighter in the world. We all know that he's not. He's the highest paid, but he's not the best, 
You know what I mean? Like because he's, it's a big, sports, he's the biggest draw, but right. he's not. He's not. The That's best. it. Because it's yeah. sport. It's sports entertainment, right? It's who sells yeah. the most tickets. There's no ranking system in the UFC. We all know this. You know what I mean? You can talk yeah, well, your way into a, a title fight. Ran- ranking system. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but it's uh, but until everyone decides to, to work together, that's the the pay scale is never going to change because. Guy, the guy coming up behind you is looking to slit your throat to take your job no matter what, right? So he'll do it for even less just to be on TV. But um, I think it'll, you know, with it's it will the pay strip pay will continue to grow slowly no matter what, just because the sport grows, inflation, everything else, right? So, but if people sat down and kind of they made it unionized or whatever else, or came up with some sort of system, then then everyone would benefit. But now, like it's like the rest of the planet, you know, one percent's getting all the money. And everyone else is just sitting around, collect you know, table scraps, right? That's just how it works. So, do you do you see like a, a collective bargaining agreement or like unionization or profit sharing or something in the UFC or in other MMA organizations coming up in the next, you know, let's say few years, five years, ten years? Um, I don't know about that, but what you do see is better management, right? And the deal, the best, like good management is going to get you, um, you know, most that they can. And they're also going to make you see your own, your own worth. That's what, I think that's where a lot of pro- people have problems too, is they don't know their own value, right? So some people, and that could be like, you think you're worth more than you are, or you think you're not worth as much, you know what I mean? Like it can go both ways. So I think with people getting better management and more education on that side of it, the fighters are going to be more taken care of too, right? So just just telling people and, and teaching them, educating them on, on, on what their worth actually is, I think that's that's probably, uh, I think that's going to be, you know, the kind of the next big thing. Like, and because you, you've seen the growth in management in the last few years, you know what I mean? Where, but in the management too, I'm like, you're getting a percentage. So you should want these guys to get paid shit tons, you know, because you're getting yeah. your cut too. So, uh, but I think it's a, I think that the fighters need to educate themselves on proper like representation. That's the biggest thing, right? So whether that's collective and in a union or that's just having someone, you know, proper management out for your best interest, like, I don't know, but I think the management is probably going to be the way that it goes really not as a group. So. I think that was on display, especially with um, Mazadal holding out and, he got what he wanted and because I think it was how did the whole fight island thing go he wanted to have the fight they said no then they went to Gilbert Burns and after Gilbert Burns was out then they went back to Mazadal but then they're like yeah. no we're not going to give you until what you what I get right yeah he wanted his pay-per-view points or something like that but that but and that's that's like there's a guy that he knows is worth you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and his, so he knows what he's worth and it's just his management's job to go get that money for them. Right. He played, they played that out pretty smart. You know what I mean? They needed them because that card, it was still a decent card, but you know, if you can throw in Mazda, had nothing to lose. He's still a superstar. No. Take, mm-hmm. yeah. take a fight Absolutely. like that. Take that on a week's notice. What do you got to lose? Like he's probably going to get a rematch. He's probably, you know what I mean? He got paid millions for it, probably like, so good on, good on him. Right. But, and hopefully that shows, but so, but other people are going to think, well, I should hold out too. I'm like, yeah, you're just going to fuck yourself. If you do that too, though. Right. Like as Masvidal has the power to do, to hold out and get take what until he gets what he wants. Right. Where, mm-hmm. you know, when you're entry level UFC, you're taking what you get. That's the thing with with UFC. They have a monopoly. You're, you really do just get what you get. Right. Until you're in there for a while. Right. If you have a winning record, then you can negotiate for more. But until then, you're working for minimum wage just like anyone else. Right. So. 
do you think if he had a full camp, he would have it would be a different fight, or do you think is the outcome still the same? Um, no, I think it would a little bit. Uh, it would have been much more competitive. Masvidal yeah. has a yeah. I think Masvidal has a. I think he has the best like like IQ in in the business. He really does. Like so, if you gave him, if he knew he was fighting that guy eight weeks out, I think you'd see. Maybe he loses anyway, but I think you'd see a way better performance. You know what I mean? Because Masvidal, if he doesn't want to get taken down, he's not getting taken down. You know what I mean? So if you give him time to prepare and study, like he'll he'll find a, a way uh, to potentially win that fight. I think that <clears throat> um, give him more time to train. Usman l- tries to chip away and lean on him, and then but eventually uh, he, Masvidal breaks him in the fourth or fifth because he's got that extra gear still where he didn't have this time right that's one thing he's really good at too is like you're not going to break masvidal even if you are that much better at him than him you're going to wear down before he does and he's going to by then he's got you figured out so now he knows your game plan and you're tired then you're fucked because he's a savage right so i think that i think it has potential to to be a different outcome if given more time for sure who are um, some some fighters locally that you see coming up that are on the brink of getting to like that next level? Um, hmm. I have, I personally have one kid, James Clark, who I fucking love. He's a one twenty fiver, and he is uh, he's just a little redneck kid from up Lindsay and. And he had a rocky start. He started TKO, whatever. And we he trains at one of my friend's gyms. And then we start hanging out more. And then uh, he's gonna been he's on like a six fight uh, tear with me. And uh, we went to we did the world championships in Singapore, and he lost a split decision in the finals there. Like the kid made weight four days in a ro- four days in a row, had four fights, and lost a split decision in the finals of the world. So he's, oh. and, he's and he's a great talker and everything else. He's very likable. Like he's a guy I think that give him a little bit more experience. Like you could probably catch him, you know, at one FC or so, or maybe Bellator or something like that. And then uh, guys around here, there's some guys that are from, at a Parabellum that are fucking terrifying. Scott Hudson's an animal. Uh, Josh Hill. Uh, He's he's with Bellator now. He's one of my always one of my favorites. It's nice to see him in a big show. Um, like uh, there's uh, I don't know. There's so much talent I can't even keep up with anymore. It's not like it was ten years ago where everyone was kind of. There's like twenty of us, man. Like now you're going to you're going to Parabellum or Cal Samra. There's like holy shit, you can't even keep up all the names. There's so many good kids out there, right? They're scary. Mm-hmm. So, That's how so I feel better. trying to follow the local scene now, Mike. 10 years ago, it's like, okay, like that guy, that guy, that girl, yeah. that guy. Now it's like, oh, there's so much talent that's, that can be like on the cusp of like breaking into like a major show. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, yeah. You can't, you just can't keep, you can't keep up. Right. And the con, the competition is so stiff now too. Like as these gyms are everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, there is actual MMA gyms. Like Parabellum is like an MMA gym, you know, where everyone else is a jiu-jitsu academy or a Thai boxing school. And we do some MMA too. Like now, you know, TriStar's at MMA gym and like there's places like that. That's, that's all they're doing. Right. So the competition is really, really high. So there's a, I yeah, yeah. For me to narrow it down to like, you know, a couple names is really hard because there's so much talent now in this area for sure. So especially now, um, obviously when you get your school back opened up, like what's kind of the, the, future plans things that you guys i obviously i know the, the running is what you wanted to do especially mm-hmm. the marathon but like kind of like what do you have planned also into the future um 
honestly, I, I don't know, man, everything is so uncertain right now. I just want to get my doors open and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm still holding out on that. Like I know a lot of the other academies are opening up, but I'm just, I don't run like them. So it's going to be a little, it's going to take a little bit more time for me to get going. I do know, um, you know, when we do open with my doors are so open to every single gym to walk in, which is, you know, every, my mats are just open to anyone, anytime, you know what I mean? For any team, I don't care, but that's one of those things where like, we're going to have to start, start walking now because you know, of this whole COVID thing. It's like, you can't just go bounce around and hit gyms anymore as much as you used to. I think that's something that's going to change. Hopefully it doesn't last too long, but you know, and the other thing too, is like, you gotta, this has taught me, you gotta watch every single penny. Like we're bleeding to death right now. Right. Whereas maybe if I didn't let those 30 kids train for free, I'd be paying my rent a little bit easier right now. You know, like you got to, for me, I think I have to really start to learn how to run my place like more of a business, you know, right now the loyalty, because I don't treat it like that, the loyalty of my guys are keeping it going for me. But at the same time, like I've really got a really big reality check about, you know, the money side of things really got to buckle down on stuff like that. But I think, um, uh, I think this thing is going to make us just more resilient, man. That I'll tell you that the most resilient people on the planet are Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructors because we always fuck it up, but we always figure it out a way to fix it. You know what I mean? Like how do you, not to, I think Fernando is probably the only guy I know that opened up a school and it worked. You know what I mean? Like the first time everyone else just, tried to open it, crash it, take open another two, one. Yeah. Take <laughs> yeah. Three. Yeah. Take yeah. Like it's just, you know, like I think uh I think you're gonna see a lot more respect within our community leaders because I've I've noticed that as well. Like all these teams that didn't really talk or get along, everyone was like, now we're like, holy shit, we gotta stick together or we're all gonna die. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. there's gonna be a lot more camaraderie between different academies. Uh and I think that we're going to come out of it and we're going to be okay. And uh, I don't know, man. Love heals all, man. It'll be all right. Love heals all. <laughs> Love heals all. We, leave, leave the petty bullshit. We all train jiu-jitsu. Let's just get, re- get together and fucking train as soon as we can. That, that's the truth, man. It really is the truth. And it's these, these academies that have been holding out, not letting their school, not letting their, um, their, their kids go to different schools and cross train this and that, like they're, they always end up paying for it in the anyway, in the end with their greed and their, their, um, you know, their lack of confidence. Right. And uh, that's going to come out in the wash big time before this whole thing is over. Right. Cause you got to look after your people and looking after my people is, is saying train wherever you want. Right. Cause I know you're going to come home to daddy when it's all over. So, right. Do you think that was all just like instructors just not being confident with their own loyalty of their students or is it just a money thing? Is it- it's, it's both. Yeah. Both? Yeah, definitely. I think, well, you have to protect your investment. So, you know, if I, if I'm like, yeah, if I, you're going over and training over here and you decide you want to go over there, then I'm out a hundred bucks a month. Right. But that's for me, what I figured out is like, okay, go train there, go train. You can train where you like, as long as I know, and they're cool with it. Cause then why wouldn't you come home? If you have these, the luxury of visiting these other places, as long as you're respectful and you're not abusing it, like, why wouldn't you come back? So 
I, people see it from the financial point of view, but I think a lot of it is confidence too, where they're like, they're afraid they're going to lose a student to a better or a different instructor. I'm like, go steal that, go steal gringo shit and bring it back and show me what he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. I'm like, we, none of us have all the own answers. So if my students are improving, I'm going to learn and it's only going to look good on me anyway. Right. So, and I've mm-hmm. felt like that for years and years and years. And I've, and I've been like, that's something I'm really proud of is like, I've, you know, I've brought so many different schools together to cross train and whatever else over the years where like back when we started, that wasn't a thing. You went to someone else's gym and you were a fucking rat, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and someone was going to kill you for it. Like, so I, I, and I've never really liked that very much, but I think it's correcting itself for sure. I think so too. And I think just on the topic of cross training, like myself personally, I've been to a lot of gyms. I think you may be one of the few gyms in the GTA. I, I haven't visited that. I Dick. think I need to, I need to fucking go out there and steal your shit and bring it back. But, um, yeah, you, you haven't had ringworm unless you have Oshawa ringworm. (laughs) Is that like nuclear level? Like just it's burning. Yeah. It's the, Oh wait, it takes a bit. I think you can also get that in Oshawa. (laughs) (laughs) We got it. We, we get it all that we get it all for you. No, yeah, you well, you guys are always welcome at my place, man. Listen, my doors are open to every single team, every person. It doesn't matter, man. I just don't roll like that. Like, I want everyone. I'm on my mats, right? You're going to have a hard time when you come in the door because I expect you to beat me up when I come to your place too. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. But, like, you're going to be – people are going to be nice and respectful. and But you still want everyone – anyone walks in, I want you to know you're in the right fucking place. So and you, you find that out by how hard people beat on you, right? So – but yeah, come come play with us anytime you want, man. Always. I'm down. I'm I'm down to come to no, Jam Russell with you. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you won't get you won't get me, man. I'm officially retired, but you'll get someone. So <laughs> I'll, I'll find someone for you to play with. I don't know. That's that's the one thing I've never understood is like the the closed door. I think mentality. At the end of the day, like I even tell the guys that me and Aaron are training. Like, listen, I'm like, you know, go to seminars. I actually had somebody like a, a 46 year old man ask me permission to go train at another school. I'm like, what are you five? Like go fucking go train. Like what are you doing? Yeah. But that's, that's, but that's, I know I understand what you're saying, but that's important. It should be like, yeah, it should yeah, it be shouldn't right. Be. It's it still, be. it, it's still weird, but like, that's my guys can go where they want, but you got to tell me I'll never, I've never, I will never say no. I've never said no. It's just out of respect to me and I'm here to protect you. So if you're going to some school who I know they're a bunch of fucking goofs or they're not even legit jujitsu, I'm like, no, you can't go there. Right. Because why? Cause they suck. That's but, why but the, but go that's here. True. It's better. Right. I'm like, I want you to get want, hurt. That's why. Uh, yeah. That's I want, another reason too. Yeah, for sure. And they, and they don't deserve your mat time. Right. If you're going to train as someone who are, who's a fraud, I'm like, you, they, they're learning, they're, they don't deserve your mat time. They don't deserve your information. They don't deserve your body. Right. Like, cause they're still in this job in this industry. There's still frauds out there. Right. But if you're like, Oh, I'd like to go to Fernando's. I want to go Omar's or here or there. I'm like, absolutely go there for sure. Cause those guys I love and respect, I know they're going to take care of you. I know you're going to learn. Right. So one, my, I don't care who you are. Like if you're from my gym, yeah, they're going to come to me and say, Justin, Hey, do you mind if I go over here? I'm like, absolutely go for it. It should be like that. That's a sign of respect. That means you're a good fucking teacher. Don't doubt yourself. You're beautiful. <laughs> you have a great, you have a great sexy radio voice, by the way. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, it must be that mic. That must be that microphone. Me and Aaron, we, Aaron, we got to get some equipment. When, no, you don't, man. Bad. It's just all for show. Listen, you want me, re- budget. want me to record your new voicemail message for you? I can do that. 
you just call, you just call listen to me all the time. Oh yeah. Just call it back every day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, there, there he is. Hey, this yeah. is Justin Bruckman. That's right. Leave a message after the tone and your pants. And repeat, <laughs> repeat, repeat. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, sweet Jesus. Well, Mr. Brockman, yeah. it has been an absolute pleasure with you here yeah, for today. Sure. We had a great time. Um, we always like to let you close it off. So if there's anybody you want to thank, anything you want to talk about before we close it out. Any, uh, any, we usually like to ask any sponsors that you like to thank because we don't have any. <laughs> no, I, no, I get it. No, you know what? No, man, we'll leave that part out of it. Yeah, I just, I'm actually just very thankful you guys had me on. I'm kind of getting out of practice. So I'm just happy to hang out with some friends. And uh, I like to give homeworks, assi- homework assignments. And just I mentioned earlier, just be kind, man. Do something nice for someone, man. You never know when someone's having the fucking worst day ever and might not see tomorrow. So stop, give people your time, whether it's open the door, buy a cup of coffee, do something nice, do something kind and uh and hopefully they go do the same thing so it might you might not say that person but maybe the attitude you give them for the day will go continue on and they'll help someone else right those are some fantastic closing words and got it. one more thing don't smoke crack don't smoke crack <laughs> there's not much to ask for really is it it's not we're setting the bar very 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 low but then uh, from there we can raise the bar but well listen you guys come train with me i'm going to drive around some neighborhoods and uh, and then you'd be like, oh yeah, don't smoke crack. So, yeah. Oh yeah, don't smoke crack. <laughs> show your first hand why you don't smoke crack. It's the sound advice. Yeah. I'll, All I'll right, boys. You, I'll have to give you the story another time of uh, Tony driving me around his former neighborhoods. I'm like, yeah, oh, I bet. That. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That's to- Tony Isaac's a former guest. I tried to get him to spill that on the podcast that we had him on previously. Well, next time. He's Tony, Tony's too proper, man. He's too proper. Yes, he he's a politician now. So, all right, boys, I'll catch you guys later. Thanks a lot for having me on. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a you great one. It. All right. So it was awesome. Thanks. Thank, thanks for uh, coming on. You got it, man. See you guys. Take care. Peace. Get out of here. Fuck off. Joking, yeah, Joking, Hazard. Joking Hazard Podcast sponsored by...